0: Crash Craddock, Chief Sports Writer from the Courier Mail, joins us on the show now. Crash, good morning.
1: Good morning, Paul and Jared. Yeah, I must say I love this time of the year. You can feel, particularly in the AFL too, there's so, the finals almost start early, don't they, with these epic games between Brisbane and Melbourne. There's a crackle in the air. I love
2: it. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and we've been saying it all morning, one well, of the promoters' dreams uh, this weekend with most matches having some sort of bearing on where teams end up going forward.
1: It, it really is, Jared. And, uh, you know, I mean, the, I, I'm sort of pleased for the Lions in that, OK, everyone says they've got to win a premiership to define their era, but this is outstanding progress for them. You know, just being in the situation where they've got a home game, basically, a, a, you know, coming up towards a sellout, I'd imagine, you know, that the, the, there's an anticipation around the city. That's what you crave. I mean... Geelong have done it pretty much every year since they won their last premiership in 2011. They just deliver so much for their fans from March to September. Sure, they don't win the title every year, but gee, there's a lot to be gained from being a good home and away team. It's almost an underrated for the day. I agree with you, Crash.
0: I think uh, uh, we should never overlook that. Now, will you always join us on a Monday and start off by giving us your underrated and overrated from the world of sport? Why don't we start with your underrated?
1: Well, well, I just, I, and I know you've chatted about this, but I wanted to lend my voice to, uh, you know, congratulations to tipster to Paul Joyce for tipping Commander at 150 to 1 when he tipped it to win at the Sunshine Coast. I mean, I, 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 that, for that horse to win a seven year old who'd had three starts, its last two starts, 100 to 1, what I liked about it, Jared, was simply this that he didn't half apologise for tipping it, which I think a lot of tipsters no. do when they tip one at odds. Like they sort of almost say it with a shrug of the shoulders and, and, and a half and a crooked grin. Whereas he said, "No, I've I've got one for you here. I think at big odds that can win the race." And I was watching uh, the replay of the Sky broadcast where he was interviewed, and he spent one minute and forty seconds explaining why Kamada could win at hundred and fifty to one, and and his logic was very sound. He, he sort of said, "Look." Um, the I don't like the favourites for the race So I'm going wide uh, The jockey, I think Josh Adams He's only got one ride for the day He's come specifically for this He must like it And then he showed a replay of the Gold Coast race He said, you'll see the horse working its way through a bit Well, I saw that And I could not see what he saw I just couldn't see a future winner there But I guess that's what makes him a good tipster And, um, you know, we all dream of this day, don't we, where we we declare a 150 to one pop. Well, he didn't declare it, but he strongly suggested it. I just thought it was, you know, really wonderful.
2: There's a few things around that crash. I mean, first and foremost, every day, there's a lot of 151 pops, $151 pops go around, and occasionally you'll see one win. But I'll Mm. tell you what you don't see occasionally is a tipster tipping one even into the place. But to put it on top, Mm. And the argument that he presented, and he was on yesterday with Tony Clements and went through the same arguments, it was, it it nearly made you want to go and back it. I wish I had to listen to it, but just judging by the feedback that we've got from listeners this morning, you've got no Mm. idea how many people have sent a message through. I had five on that, I had two each way, I had ten each Mm. way, that type of thing. And we did see it on social media as well. So if Paul Joyce didn't already
1: have a big enough following, it's just got a whole lot bigger pretty quickly. Yeah, and I saw, it was just funny, I saw a tweet from you last night saying this could be the greatest tip in history. At the same time, I was making my notes for this morning's show and was going to declare it the best tip of my lifetime that I'd seen, you know. And, yeah. and, and, and as I said, when he went on with Tony, he was very, very aware of what he was saying and the impact it was had. Because even on Sky News, he said, I refer-, he referenced his interview with Tony and said look I've just been on radio so imagine this horse would be shortened but as I said what I liked about it it wasn't one of those cheeky half apologetic oh if this happens if that happens it could be half a chance it was this horse is right in this race and I'll tell you why this is a big moment so it just you know it was just it was just a nicely delivered totally unexpected moment and I think part of the function we have on our little uh, weekly show is to highlight people who have the great moments in their careers. And and for him, this is a golden stud, which won't be forgotten. So congratulations to Paul Joyce.
2: And at the end of the day, that's his job, as we know, is doing the form and tipping winners. But, um, well, that's up there. Oh, yeah. Well, I I
1: couldn't think of... Jared, can you... And Paul, could you think of a comparison? I, I... Oh, I couldn't actually think of anything that would uh, would rival it. No, I, mean, well, I can't. Not tipping mean, it. Like Leicester won at
0: bigger odds years ago, Drew, but no mm. one was tipping them seriously to to win it.
2: No, but I mean, you pick up the paper yesterday before listening to that, and you have a look. It's a seven-year-old. It's had three starts. It was a hundred to one, and all, all of the reasons why it couldn't win. That was why it was hundred and fifty-one, mm. uh, and then he delivered the the spiel that launched people into it but
0: um well if you're mm. doing the form at home by yourself you would mm. look at that for 10 seconds read what you just said there Jared. 7 year old 3 starts last two starts at 100 to 1 you would just dismiss it straight away you wouldn't even mm. look at it
2: the sad part about it is had I been listening to that I would have backed it because I like backing Joyce uh, Joyce's Ruffies because they always run a bit of a race uh, yep. But unfortunately, I was tied up and didn't know anything about it until the, the latter part of the afternoon. But uh, I guess I've missed the boat now, haven't I?
0: Crash, well, that I'm was not... your underrated. What mm. about your overrated?
1: I don't like long-term co- uh, contracts for unproven coaches, Paul. Um, and, look, I- I'm really hoping Cameron Serraldo goes well in his five-year deal with the Bulldogs. And I just heard Brent Reid talk about it. He's a great young coach. He- he's a future of coaching in some ways. But I just think... Uh, unproven teams need proven coaches. That's that. That's a a rule of thumb. In other words, when the Rabbitohs hired Anthony Seabold, they were a proven club. They did. They, they could take a young coach on board, and he could sort of grow with them. But then he came to the Broncos, which was sort of you know they they were just starting to wobble, and he and he couldn't handle it. And he was given a five year deal. It didn't even last two. So, I, I it he. Seraldo was very much the man with the strong hand when they were doing contract negotiations. They wanted him more than he needed them. So that's why they had to extend to five years. But man, oh, man, oh, man, that is a long time for an unproven coach. I wish him the best. I hope in five years' time you're interviewing me and I say, well, I got that wrong, didn't you? You delivered two premierships. But for a young kid to have to go into that system and knock it into shape after the serenity of Penrith Woof, that's a tough challenge
2: you're right the serenity of Penrith but more importantly that the, well they've been imploding for years the Bulldogs and um, mm. we saw it with Trent Barrett I, I, I'm a bit bewildered like you that they've signed him on for so long because we don't know
1: well, they had to because, you know, they needed him. They needed him. I mean, OK, say he's not there. Who do you hire? Shane Flanagan? Oh, I don't know. Who else is coming through? That is the barest coaching ranks you've ever seen. So, yeah. you know, and people throw up other names, but really there's no... But if he's the future, if he's the new Trent Robinson, you give him what he wants. And I get that, but... Going into Canterbury, you've got to be a politician. You've got to be a peacemaker of this very volatile club. And they are skills beyond coaching, I'm telling you. And also, just because you've coached at Penrith, Garth Brennan coached at Penrith, went to the Titans. It was a disaster. Trent Barrett was another assistant coach at Penrith who, you know, struggled as well uh, when he left. So it's just, yeah, it's 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 a gamble. It's a gamble.
0: Crash, uh, um, if we had have told you at the start of the year that you'd be writing articles about the passing of Shane Warne, Andrew Simons and Paul Green, you would not have believed it. But unfortunately, Greeny late last week, um, the
1: shocking news about his death. Yeah, it's it's numbing, Paul, isn't it? And uh, for the first two days, there was just the shock of it. And then I, I think the game moved on to a discussion about mental health and why Paul committed suicide. And I think um, I, I, I did accept uh, some of the arguments too, that he did feel uh, maybe in some ways that the game had sort of moved on a bit. Uh, his last two jobs uh, at the Cowboys and Queensland finished, and then those two teams uh, prospered this year uh, without him. And I just think that coaches, it's so underestimated, Paul, When coaches uh, leave their positions after marathon coaching stint, they feel an emptiness and a hollowness that is so hard to feel. It really is. You know, I've spoken to guys about this and they say that even if you go to the commentary box, you're supposed to say, oh, that's really good. But you don't win or lose in the commentary box. So your emotions never get tugged to the nice end of the spectrum. Like everything's sort of neutral. And uh, you know it's it's you know it's it's a very tough place to be.
2: It is tough, and it's also a delicate, crash because this happens in every code at every level around the world. Um, you know, coaches come and go in the same way that players or CEOs or whatever. I, I really don't know um, what we can do to fix it. I, there's been a lot of talk around it over the last few days, and that's fantastic. But it, it's got to
1: be bigger than that. Well, I think with players, there's a bit of a watch on players. Sometimes when they finish their career, the Players Association but Jared, we always assume coaches are fine because they're the mentors and they're, yeah. most of them are 40 or 50 years old so you don't sort of think um, you know, uh, they're going to need help but, but they very, very often do. I mean, Paul's 50th birthday was coming up next month and you know, I know people were, were making plans to, to come for it and, uh, and, and celebrate with him and you know, I saw him at Andrew Simon's funeral. It was the last time I saw him. And he he spoke of how devastated he was at Andrew's passing. And later that night, um, he went out, went back to Simon's place with Adam Gilchrist and a few of the guys and to Andrew Simon's back shed. And there's fishing rods there. There's boats there. And he stayed there until about two o'clock, just having a quiet beer and, and you know that 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 the guys who were with him said just how devastated he was because Simons was the sort of guy he liked. He was a bit of a scallywag. He'd ring up Greeny at all hours of the night and say, "Hey, mate, why didn't you plan this guy five eight for? You know, <laughs> and, and 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 so you know, it, yeah, it is. Uh, but it's it's immensely sad. A very very good man and a good coach. Crash a. Uh, Effectively, a quarter of the coaches are, are
0: sacked each and every year from the NRL. Do you think they need to be offered more support after it happens now,
1: moving Def- forward? Definitely, definitely. And this is because we, we always think of when they need support when they're on the job, and they do to an extent, but they accept they're in the jungle then. They accept that's warfare. You know, that, that's that, they that's what they signed up for, the hustle, the bustle, the battle, the scraps. But... Uh, as Graham Arnold said so articulately uh, today in an interview with Dean Ritchie, it's when it's over that you realised what a powerful drug adrenaline is and what how hard it is to replace. And I, I read a story a few months ago from England saying there's any number of former EPL managers who are about 60 who have just got a, a really uh, a, un, just a sad routine of watering the garden in the morning and you know, they've gone from being men at the absolute cut and thrust to suddenly just basically doing nothing. So it, it, it is hard because they live it. They live it. I was I was in the green room at Fox Sports a few months, a couple of weeks ago, and Michael Maguire was talking about just how, mate, I've had to think about things to do on the weekend because I've never had one before. Now, he, he wasn't down about that, but it shows you the adjustment, Paul. It shows you how you've got a new life, you know.
2: And unfortunately, it happens in all
1: walks of life now. Yeah, it, it, it does, Gerard. I, but I, what I do like about society is we are looking at mental health much more closely. I ran into a leading cancer doctor about a week ago, and uh, who's coming towards the end. He's just about to retire, an inspirational man. And I said, would you do the same thing again? He said, no, 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 I wouldn't. And he's been a groundbreaker in cancer research. Right. But he said, no, I do mental health. I do, because he said that is the big thing that society needs and it will get bigger in the next 10 to 20 years.
2: I read a stat yesterday that, it's a rather disturbing stat, on average, seven males and two females a day commit suicide. That's nine people a day.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a remarkable figure, isn't it? Given that, and a chastening, shattering figure, given that assistance for mental health, is greater than it's ever been. I remember, Jared. we grew up in the 80s when the old sort of, oh, mate, Take a, take a cement pill and toughen up a bit, will you? Oh, that yeah. guy's a bit weak. Well, there's none of that today. You know, we've Meg Lanning, who stood down as Australian cricket captain, Michael Hooper, who stood down as Australian rugby union captain to take breaks from the game after mental stress, and rightfully they're being applauded, you know, for, for having the courage to set an example for others. It wouldn't have been the case 30 years ago, but, you know, we do applaud them and, and, and we recognise how stressful leadership can be.
0: Crash, uh, um, News Corp now published the uh, the top 100 for the top richest 100 footballers in the country, whether it's the AFL or or the NRL. Just on uh, Payne Harsey, he wants to be the highest played middle forward in the game. Do you think he's going to get that million dollar contract?
1: I don't think he will. Yeah, we've had enormous debate over the, the list, which you can now get on rich100.com.au And uh, he's on 750, he will be on 850 next year, and he wants a million dollars. Now, Paul, I have to say, it was fascinating to me to see that almost a third of the players on the list were props, um, because I know there's two of them compared to one halfback, but I didn't think props were as important as halfbacks. Uh, the, The club officials obviously do. I'll give you my reason, one of them. Hass has been at the Broncos for five years, and they, and and they've just struggled for for most of them. Adam Reynolds, the halfback, arrives this year, gets everything into order. Suddenly, they look a team again. So, Paul, I, I I I think I don't think the Broncos will budge on this contract, and I don't think Hass will move. If he goes to Sydney for the sake of trying to get an extra one hundred and fifty thousand, I think he's mad. Has have you seen Sydney real estate?
2: I was going to have say it
1: cost him that. More than that to move there. Exactly. I always think it's the most overrated move. Oh, I can get an extra 200 grand at the Bulldogs. Really? With the Broncos up in the saddle finally, with Reese H- uh, Walsh arriving next year, with Kevin Walters learning more and more about coaching and the whole scene sort of settling down, you want to leave that? I, I don't think if he leaves it, I. I'm staggered. I really am. But uh,
0: you know what, I don't think. You know what, I don't think has helped him crash getting that salary now is the form of his middle
1: forward teammates, Pat Carrigan and Tom Flegler. Absolutely. Well, Phil Rothfield wrote, "If you have got a million dollar forward at the Broncos, his name's Pat Carrigan." And I have to say this: a million dollars to me would seem slightly high for Pat. But she's had a good season. Flegler's had a good season. They're all coming in. And, and you know what, Paul? I reckon the way these kids have suffered over the last three years, during the Seabold era and the first year, first year of Kev Walters, I think that's put a, a brick veneer on their on their on their soul. You know, they when they have a bad loss, it's not the end of the world because they remember having ten of them in a row. You know what I mean? So, so uh, but the rich list is is interesting. Gee, fancy Tavita Pangai getting around nine hundred thousand. Matt Lodge nine hundred thousand. I mean, wow. That's wee. the one that stood out to me. Oh, from three clubs. I mean, gee, hasn't Lodge worked the system beautifully? Oh, spot on, oh. isn't it? Too good, too good. They're, got, they're always a, topical. Sti- though, sorry, mm. go on. Lodge got, is still being paid from the Broncos. He got the massive payout from the Warriors, and now he's been paid by the Roosters. Three, a few years ago, he couldn't get a game after that incident in the United States. Now he's officially too good. <laughs> they're always topical, those lists. What have you been able to glean from the public who they think is probably the most overpaid? Well, uh, probably those two. Uh, Pangai is one of them. Uh, you know, to, As I said, to get that sort of money is is extraordinary. David Fafita is always a huge talking point, isn't he? That million-dollar salary given to him by the Titans. And I know everyone will say, oh, did you see his try yesterday? Great, fabulous, wonderful, but too little too late. I mean, honestly, their season is gone. And, you know, he, he has to... If you, I still remember a quote given by Kevin Walters about four years ago about million-dollar players, he, and it went something like this. He said, if you're a million-dollar player, you've got to be Jonathan Thurston or Darren Lockyer. You've got to inspire every week. You've got to be a go-to man who's bankable, reliable, and inspirational, and you never switch off. You are relentless and, and, and you, you are as true standard setter. And, mm-hmm. and it just—it was just a small quote, but you know they should be the pick of the bunch. Like not sort of, oh, had a couple of good games, a couple of quiet ones, faded in, faded out. You know, it's not good enough. Crash, we've only got sixty seconds till the end of the show today. Just a quick one. Ian Chappell has retired as a broadcaster. How will you remember Ian? Straight shooter, fearless, stood up uh, for what he thought was right. Never shied away from controversy. Would he would enter into have an argument in an empty room? (laughs) He would. But I I really enjoyed him, and the game will miss him. Left an imprint on the game. And out of all the people I've ever met in cricket, over forty years, no person worried less about what others thought of him than Ian. He was just Ian, and I guess that's something to be very proud of. If you can be the person who who doesn't care what anyone thinks of you. Just be yourself. See you next week, boys. Good on you, Crash. Chat then, mate.